0: Welcome to the new episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends and lore and the dark side of American history. This is not one of the regular episodes of the podcast, but a Halloween season bonus that's been written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. My partner in crime, Cody Beck, will be sitting this one out, but he'll still be cleaning up the mess that I leave behind with the recording, which is guaranteed. As we near the end of our season on Haunted Hollywood, we're taking you on a weekly walk along the back streets and dark alleys of the City of Angels. It's a celebration of the Halloween season and a way of wrapping up a season that literally never seems to end. Sorry about that. Damn it, we just had a lot of good stories to tell. And no, we're not quite finished. But if you've missed any of the show this season, or if this is your first time listening, you'll want to go back to episode 70 of the podcast, which will get you caught up on everything that's already happened. Just be aware that the episodes in this season are definitely not suitable for all listeners. So if you continue on from here, you can't say we didn't warn you. It was Wednesday evening, October 30th, 1968 in Los Angeles and at a Spanish colonial house in Laurel Canyon nestled in the Hollywood Hills, a former stage screen and television star had just closed the patio door against the cooling temperatures outside. The man was now 69 years old. He was frail and many years past his glory days as an MGM sex symbol and heir apparent as a screen lover after the death of Valentino. He'd acted opposite such legends as Joan Crawford, Greta Garbo, Norma Shearer, and Mirna Loy. Despite being retired from acting for years, he'd made wise real estate investments with his movie earnings and now lived a comfortable life in retirement. But Ramon Navarro had no way of knowing that October 30th would be his last night on earth. Ramon had been born Jose Ramon Gil Samaniego on February 6th. 1899 in Durango in northwest Mexico. His father, Mariano, was a dentist and his mother, Leonor, came from a wealthy family of landowners that, according to legend, had been descended from the Aztec king, Montezuma. The family estate was known as the Garden of Eden and the family raised 13 children there before fleeing to Los Angeles because of the Mexican Revolution in 1913. Well, Ramon began his film career four years later, playing bit parts at first, making extra money by working as a singing waiter and a taxi dancer, a kind of professional dancer that served as a partner for unaccompanied women for a fee, and as a dancer in stage reviews. His friends, actor and director Rex Ingram and his wife, actress Alice Terry, began to promote him as a rival to Rudolph Valentino when Ingram suggested he changed his name to Navarro well, starting in 1923. He began to play more prominent roles and soon found major success in films like Ben-Hur in 1925, where after Valentino died in 1926 and that episode's coming next week, Ramon became the screen's leading Latin actor in 1929. He also successfully made the leap to talking films, which many actors weren't able to do. And his fame continued to grow. He was popular as a swashbuckler in action parts and as one of the great romantic leading actors of the day. But Ramon Navarro was keeping a secret that could have ended his career. If the public found out he was gay in the 1920s, that was not an easy secret to keep. And Ramon struggled with the inner conflict of being Catholic and homosexual, leading him to problems with alcohol. In the early 1920s, Ramon had a romantic relationship with composer Harry Parch, who was working as an usher at the Los Angeles Philharmonic at the time. But Ramon broke off the affair as he achieved greater success as an actor. He also later was involved with Hollywood journalist Herbert Howe, who was also his publicist in the late 1920s. And while Ramon's secret was known in Hollywood, with many other actors and actresses keeping the same secret, it was kept carefully hidden from the public. At one point, studio head Louis B. Mayer demanded that Ramon obtain what was called a lavender marriage, which was a wife and name and for publicity only, but Ramon refused and remained a confirmed bachelor for the rest of his career. MGM decided not to renew Ramon's contract in 1935, but he still continued to act, appearing in films for Republic Pictures, for Mexican companies, and in French films. Over the next three decades, roles were few and far between, but he still turned up in a handful of movies and on television. But even so, Ramon was doing just fine. At the peak of his success in the late 1920s, he'd been earning more than $100,000 of film, most of which he invested in real estate. The house where he lived in Laurel Canyon was designed by Lloyd Wright, the son of famed architect Frank Lloyd Wright, and he retired there and managed to maintain a comfortable lifestyle. But then death came calling near Halloween in 1968. On that night of October 30th, Ramon, wearing a red and blue robe, welcomed brothers Paul and Tom Ferguson, ages 22 and 17, into his home. They had gotten the former star's telephone number from a previous guest. They were hustlers and they knew that Ramon had used agencies for sexual escorts in the past. Well, Ramon, always a good host, served cocktails and even read Paul Ferguson's palm ironically predicting a bright future for the young man. He also played the piano and showed off promotional photos of himself when he was a young Hollywood star. Well, the night seemed to be going well until Paul Ferguson turned ugly. He demanded that Ramon hand over the large sum of money that he was rumored to keep hidden in his house. But Ramon truthfully told him he never kept large amounts of money at home, and things started to get rough after that. Tom Ferguson, who had been using Ramon's long distance to talk on the phone to a girl in Chicago, joined his brother as they started pushing, shaking, and jostling the older man. When that didn't work, they started beating him. Well, Ramon, not in good health, passed out once but was soon revived after he was dragged into the bathroom and splashed with cold water. One of the brothers, while searching the house, found a cane and he twirled it around and danced with it as Ramon lay bleeding on the carpet. He then began to pray out loud as the Fergusons tied him up with an electrical cord and took turns beating him in the head and genitals with the cane. Unable to find out where the money was hidden, they tossed him on his bed and let him continue to bleed, and Ramon Navarro eventually choked to death on his own blood. While he was dying, the brothers ransacked the house. They dumped Ramon's photos and movie stills all over the floor, trying to make it look like a burglary gone wrong. Complicating things, the two morons apparently thought it would confuse the police if they made it look like a woman had committed the crime. They wrote a message on the bathroom mirror that read, quote, us girls are better than faggots and managed to misspell faggot. After that, they fled the house. The hours of torture that had turned to murder netted them an entire $20 in cash. Not surprisingly, they were quickly caught. The Fergusons were charged with murder, but it was Ramon Navarro who went on trial. The former screen star was labeled as, quote, an old queer by the Ferguson's defense attorney, you know, the person defending two killers who worked as homosexual hustlers. The murderer's defense was presented in a way that made Ramon look less than human, as if he somehow deserved or brought on what happened to him. And it got worse. Despite the Fergusons being found guilty of first-degree murder in a trial where both brothers testified the other had killed Ramon, both were sentenced to life in prison. And even after the presiding judge remarked that neither brother should ever be released, they both were. The younger brother, Tom, was paroled after only six years. Paul was out nine. There was no doubt that both were guilty of the brutal attack on the defenseless Ramon, an attack that occurred in the commission of a robbery, which is why it was speculated that homophobia played a part in the decision to release them. Well, in 1998, after both Fergusons had committed new crimes, rape and assault, and were both on their way back to prison, Paul Ferguson took responsibility for killing Ramon, but claimed the murder had occurred out of a homosexual panic when Ramon had made sexual advances toward him. Besides that, Ferguson added, if Ramon hadn't been drunk, he never would have died. Even 30 years after his murder, Ramon was still being shamed for being gay and blamed for his own death. Paul Ferguson thought that attacking Ramon would help his new case, but he was wrong. His next sentence got him 60 years behind bars, much longer than he had got for killing Ramon. Tom Ferguson committed suicide in 2005 without ever commenting on his part in Ramon's homicide. After all these years, Ramon Navarro continues to be victimized and blamed for his own death. His name still often comes up, but rarely for his contribution to the movies. When Kenneth Anger published his ridiculously inaccurate book, Hollywood Babylon, he claimed that Ramon had owned a black dildo that had been made to the specifications of Rudolph Valentino's penis. In another book also filled with wild claims and rumors, it was said that Ramon was actually suffocated by that same dildo. Needless to say, this isn't true. If the item had existed and Ramon had been killed with it, there's no doubt that Paul Ferguson would have used it as further proof that Ramon had caused his own death. Well, like Sharon Tate, who was murdered the summer after Ramon was killed, Ramon became best remembered for his sad, frightening, and murderous end instead of the life that he led. Ramon Navarro was always described as a talented yet humble man, generous to a fault, kind, and absolutely loyal to his friends. He was a talented actor, incredible dancer, and a man devoted to his religion, even praying at his final moments. He'd supported his large family from the moment he started working, and his loss was deeply felt by his surviving siblings, who buried Ramon under a stone that was inscribed with the words, a beloved brother. His murder should not be used to define him, but of course it's Hollywood, so it always will. And perhaps that's the reason why Ramon Navarro has never rested in peace. To this day, stories still circulate that claim his spirit still lingers at his former home in Laurel Canyon. There are those who say that his killers were right, that Ramon really did have a large sum of money hidden in his house, and that his ghost remains there to watch over it. I don't think this is the case. I think that Ramon Navarro was exactly what he appeared to be, a retired legend of the silver screen who was living out his final years in the hills above his beloved Hollywood, and that hits his grief at being betrayed by so many that's kept his spirit here, hoping that someday he'll be accepted as a man who should have never have had to hide who he was or the people he loved. Thanks for listening to this week's episode and we hope you'll take the time to share a review about the show on iTunes. Even if that's not where you usually listen, it really helps us out a lot. Without Cody recording alongside me this week, I don't have to go through the whole laundry list of things that we usually do. Mostly because, I'll be honest with you, I can't interrupt myself. I'll just say that if you're a fan of the show, American Hauntings is not just this podcast. It's books, tours, events, and more. And our main website is at americanhauntings.net. We also hope that you'll take a minute and see how you can support the show on Patreon. We have bonus episodes you can only hear as a supporter, as well as discounts, shirts, stuff in the mail, and more. For those who don't understand how important our Patreon is to us, go back and listen to the first season of the podcast, then listen to this one. Yeah. Patreon's what made it all get better. So check it out at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. So until next time, good night, so long, see you later and happy hauntings.